People who identify as empaths often struggle to put boundaries around their compassion, which can lead to impulsive people-pleasing and chronic illness. Compassion is defined in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary as a sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. You might identify with feeling like you have to rescue others from their pain and struggles in life. That might even seem like the noble thing to do. However, when you try to rescue someone from their pain, you're not helping them and you're not helping yourself either. You don't have to carry around the burdens that belong to someone else. That's not your responsibility. Having boundaries around your compassion is important, especially when you're dealing with manipulative people or when you tend to put others' needs and feelings before your own. If it feels really uncomfortable to imagine yourself not doing that anymore, this episode is going to help you develop better boundaries around your compassion so you can be the empathetic person you are and also be healthy. This is Meredith Miller, and you're listening to the Inner Integration Podcast, where you can learn the mindsets and tools to self-heal after narcissistic abuse. Are you looking for a licensed therapist to help you in your recovery? As you probably know, I no longer offer one-on-one coaching sessions, so I've partnered with BetterHelp, an online portal of licensed therapists, providing affordable therapy to you from the comforts and privacy of your home. You can talk with your therapist via video sessions, phone, chat, and online messaging. BetterHelp is available worldwide, and you can get matched with a therapist within 24 hours. When you visit betterhelp.com backslash integration, you'll get 10% off your first month. You'll find the direct link in the show notes. That link will take you to their intake questionnaire, where you'll answer some questions about what you want to work on. Be sure to check the box for abuse and trauma so they can match you with a therapist who specializes in that area. If at any point you want to switch therapists, you can also do so at no additional charge. Compassion fatigue is often what happens to professional caretakers who witness a lot of other people's trauma. Compassion fatigue is due to poor boundaries and a lack of sufficient self-care while a person is exposed to emotionally or physically intense situations. 86% of ER nurses have compassion fatigue. The same kind of compassion fatigue can happen to you if you're in a relationship with a manipulative, abusive person because you're constantly putting out their dumpster fires and abandoning yourself in the process. This is especially true if you were raised by a parent or caretaker to do exactly that since childhood. Codependency is a compulsion to take care of and rescue others. It's an impulsive form of people-pleasing. This impulsive compassion is based on an external focus or other-directedness, where a person is more focused on others than themselves, more aware of others' needs and feelings than their own. That kind of programming in childhood sets up a person for a lifetime of abuse and manipulation because abusers can quickly identify people who are more focused on others than themselves. Often, codependents caretake others, even abusive people, in an effort to feel needed and worthy because this is what we were programmed to do since childhood. However, people-pleasing and caretaking manipulative people will give you a false sense of self-worth. You might have been taught since childhood that your only worth was in how you rescued your mother or father, how you met their needs and honored their feelings before your own. This will lead to compassion fatigue. 
True self-worth comes from knowing your values and setting up standards and boundaries to protect those values. If you want to work on rebuilding your self-worth in a healthy way, check out my course, Raising Your Self-Worth. You'll get the tools you need to put these important steps into practice immediately and start rebuilding your self-worth today. The link for Raising Your Self-Worth is in the show notes, and you'll also find it on the homepage. So how does compassion become toxic? Compassion itself isn't toxic. It's a lovely quality. However, just like kindness, empathy, and other great qualities, they can become dangerous to your well-being when you extend these to people who are hurting you. If you continue to be kind to someone who's abusing you, that doesn't earn you the title of saint. It actually makes you foolish, because in doing so, you're opening yourself to get hurt more. Now, I'm not saying to go out of your way to be mean or hurtful to them instead. What I mean is you need boundaries around your virtues, lest they become detrimental to your well-being. When you have empathy for an abuser, you'll lose yourself in the process. When you extend your compassion to someone who's hurting you, you'll find yourself in a situation of inevitable harm. Boundaries can help you avoid these pitfalls. Yes, it's good to lead with kindness, empathy, and compassion. However, if you notice that these qualities are not being respected by someone, that's your cue to recognize that you don't need to be a martyr. You don't need to put up with that. And when someone is hurting you, they are not entitled to your empathy, compassion, and kindness. Again, it's not about being hurtful back to them or giving them a taste of their own medicine. Instead, you can switch into indifference by setting boundaries. You can set boundaries that protect you from sharing your vulnerability with those who don't deserve it. It's not your job to save the world or transform monsters into decent human beings. You're allowed to opt out. As Maya Angelou says, When someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Now, I know sometimes we may choose to give someone a second chance or even apply a three-strike rule to be sure we've given them enough benefit of the doubt before writing them off. Other times, there are things so horrible that someone does that those become one-and-done kind of situations. Physical or sexual abuse would be examples of this. No second chances. Other times, you might feel that a person made a mistake, so you offer them a second chance. Maybe they flaked out on a date or an appointment that you had. Or maybe they said something to you that was offensive, but they were willing to hear you and understand how that's unacceptable for you, and they vowed not to do it again. In some cases, you might feel that a person deserves three chances because whatever they did wasn't horrible, but it's something you'd rather not entertain in a relationship. This is up to you and your discretion. Just be careful that you aren't justifying or minimizing truly unacceptable behavior because you like someone and want them to become the person they are in your fantasy, but never will be in real life. Be sure you're not taking responsibility for someone else's life issues. This is the struggle of codependency. If you find yourself making excuses for another person's poor behavior, rescuing them from their problems, or sacrificing yourself to take care of them, then you're lacking boundaries around your compassion. Chances are, you're doing all of those things because you love and care about them. However, you're doing so to the detriment of yourself. That's not love. That's self-abandonment and codependency. Kindness, empathy, and compassion are no longer virtues when it comes to sharing these with abusive people. 
That's when they can become toxic for your safety and well-being. Jordan Peterson says, Undifferentiated empathy is not a virtue. Use compassion judiciously. He also says, Do not do for anyone what they can do for themselves. Now, why does he say that? Because you take away their independence when you do that. In those cases, you're actually doing them a disservice. Now, that applies even in cases where the person isn't abusive and manipulative. Peterson says this can apply to the elderly and children, for example. Maybe you can do something much faster than they can for themselves, like feeding them, but it's better for them to work it out for themselves, even though it takes longer and it pains you to watch them struggle. By not doing it for them, you're giving them dignity and a sense of independence. There are also negative effects on you as the caretaker when you don't have boundaries around your compassion, whether you're dealing with a manipulator or not. Here are some situations when compassion becomes toxic. You keep extending your compassion to people who are hurting you, people who don't deserve your compassion. You take on someone else's responsibility as your own in order to rescue them. You're overextending your energy, time, and other resources to others and then not leaving enough for yourself. You keep giving and complaining that the other person took advantage of you, but you aren't owning your responsibility to manage your energy and time with boundaries. Physician Dr. Gabor Mate says, The chronic compulsion to people-please leads to chronic illness. What happens if you have compassion without boundaries? You're going to notice that you develop a negative attitude or outlook on life. You're going to feel exhausted. You're going to notice a decrease in productivity and function. You're probably going to develop chronic pain. You could also develop chronic illness without organic causes. You might notice anhedonia, which is the loss of pleasure. You'll definitely notice anxiety, stress, and tension building. You might find yourself making emotional outbursts when things build up. Or maybe you find yourself being short or irritable with others. And eventually, you're probably going to be looking for someone to rescue you after the burnout. If you don't like the results you're getting in life, look at the actions you're taking. Maybe you recognize a lot of these tendencies and results in your life, so you might be wondering where the impulsive compassion started and what you can do to fix it. Likely in childhood, one of your parents or caretakers made you responsible for their feelings, needs, or life situations. Maybe you had a parent who held you emotionally hostage when they were suffering. If you felt happy and walked into the room, it was like walking into a wall. You could feel their heavy emotions in the air and they projected those feelings onto you and everyone else in the room until you stopped feeling happy and subscribed to their feelings. Or... If you didn't automatically adjust to their emotional mood, they would say or do something to make you feel the same way they felt. They wanted you to commiserate with them. Misery does love company. When a narcissist or other abuser is not in a good mood, no one else is allowed to be. If you went through childhood experiences like that, notice how that was very irresponsible of your parent. They programmed you to caretake other people's feelings while ignoring your own. They wanted you to believe that their feelings and needs were more important than yours, which then sowed the seeds of codependency in your young brain and nervous system. Your parent or parents set you up for a lifetime of taking on everyone else's problems. That wasn't fair, and the only one who can do something about it now is you. 
Maybe you feel like this pattern of impulsive compassion wasn't with you all your life, but instead developed later in adulthood when you got into an abusive relationship. This could be an intimate relationship, friendship, coworker, neighbor, or other social relationship. You might have slowly found yourself in a situation where you felt like you couldn't get out because if you didn't take care of that person, who would? The covert or so-called vulnerable victim types of manipulators will abuse your compassion in very clever ways if you are not careful. They'll use you as their garbage bin to dump everything onto you, to vent, to vomit up all their suffering and pain, fully expecting you to rescue them from it. Usually those same people don't actually want your help. They just want to spin their victim narrative so that you'll give them narcissistic supply in the form of caretaking while they do nothing to take responsibility for their life. Or maybe you are with someone who always knew how to pull their victim card when they did something wrong and didn't want to be accountable for it, so they would spin the table and play victim to get you to drop it. In this case, they used your compassion as a get-out-of-jail-free card. Usually, they flatter you first with some form of, you're such a good person and the only one who cares, which is the grooming phase. That way, they try to make you feel special, needed, and important in their life. And then, when they expect you to start rescuing them, you feel like you can't say no because then you're negating the part where they said that you're such a good person. And also, you'll likely feel guilty if you don't do what they want because the person will then tell you that you don't care about them after all, you're just like everyone else who abandoned them. There is no end to the amount of rescuing that a covert victim type of abuser will demand. This will drain you and start causing chronic health problems. The worst part is until you identify where the toxic is getting in, you won't understand why you're sick and likely your doctors won't either. They might not even believe you that you're feeling symptoms like chronic pain. And they might say that it's all in your head. Those experiences only add more layers of struggle and confusion. As a side note, the overt types of abusers usually don't prey upon people's compassion as much as the covert types. In fact, the overt types often are so abrasive that they inspire people to do just the opposite and shut down their compassion, instead moving into subservience mode and getting back in line. You can retrain yourself to stop rescuing other people from their suffering. It doesn't happen overnight, but it is possible. So now I want to give you four tips to set boundaries around your compassion. Number one, understand that boundaries are self-responsible, not selfish. Boundaries are healthy and everyone needs them. If you're in a caretaking profession, then you need next level boundaries because every day you're faced with the struggles and feelings of others suffering. You can't take their stuff on as your own, otherwise you won't be functional in your work. If you're recovering from an abusive relationship, start working on setting more boundaries with others so you can focus on your recovery. You'll need boundaries for each layer of your human experience. That means your boundaries will be physical, meaning your space, your body, touch, sex, accepting visitors, making a time investment. They'll also be emotional, like not tethering yourself to others' emotional states, not giving in to the fear intimidation, the guilt tripping or shaming if you don't do what they want. Your boundaries are also mental, meaning not allowing them to sow the seeds of doubt in your mind, not accepting their beliefs if you don't agree with it, not falling into their gaslighting and manipulation of your perception of reality. Your boundaries will also be spiritual. That's about your authenticity, 
being who you really are and not a role that someone else wants you to feel, expressing yourself, expressing your compassion and love. Number two, self-responsibility comes first. If you're not well, you can't help others or sustain your livelihood. Whether you work in a caretaking profession or not, if you aren't healthy, it's hard to work and earn a living. If you're not well, how are you going to take care of your kids and be the parent you want to be? If you're not well, you won't be able to experience states of empowerment or thriving. Self-responsibility is the shift out of victimhood and into survivorship. Number three, implement radical self-care. Self-care is the main work of recovery after abuse. In order to make time for this, you'll need to set boundaries to protect that time. If you identify with being a people pleaser and want to create a new relationship with yourself and eradicate your self-abandoning habits, check out my self-care mastery course. This four-hour-long video course will help you to address the roots of the issues caused by narcissistic abuse since childhood. You'll find the link in the show notes, and you'll also find more information on the homepage. Number four, stay in your lane. Don't rescue other people from their feelings or their life. You can care about people without taking on their problems and pain. You can hold space for them to feel what they feel without taking responsibility for it. You can hold space for them to feel what they feel without taking responsibility for it. You can observe them without attachment to their feelings or rescuing them. Start working on your discernment. When you're not sure, ask yourself, is that mine or not? Oftentimes, we're trying to fix others because it seems to be the noble thing to do or because it's easier than facing our own problems and taking care of ourselves, but really what we're doing is avoiding the responsibility of fixing ourselves. When you feel a desire to rescue someone else who's struggling, ask yourself why. What do you get out of that? Avoiding your own problems? Martyr status? Feeling needed? A sense of security in your relationship? Find out what your motivation is to do that, then you can see what you need to work on in yourself. So how about some examples of compassion with boundaries? Maybe you notice that your city is becoming full of immigrants that were brought to your country by a deceptive organization promising them work and free stuff. But unfortunately, that was a lie and now a lot of people are stranded in the streets of a foreign country, a lot of them with kids, and they're looking for work or alms. You feel really bad for them because that's a horrible situation to be in. Yet you set boundaries on your compassion. You don't take them all home with you. You don't hire the woman who has five kids as a maid because then you'd have to feed six more people every day. You don't give them money every day because you also need to feed yourself and your family. But maybe what you can do is give away a little extra cash a few times a week, some change from your pocket, something to help someone else get something to eat. Or maybe on your way home from the restaurant, you give away your leftover bag of food to someone in the street. Maybe you have a friendship with someone for a little while and this person always seems to have an emergency or drama situation going on. You feel bad for them because they really are a victim. However, this person isn't helping themselves move forward in life because they would rather get others to rescue them. So, you set a boundary in your compassion the next time your friend calls expecting you to pay their car payment so their car doesn't get repossessed since they haven't made payments in months and you tell them instead that you're sorry, you can't pay for it for them because you need that money to pay for your child's school tuition or to feed your family. Maybe you're in a relationship with someone who always uses you as their therapist. 
dumping on you in a word vomit all their daily woes because you're the only one who listens and you're the only one willing to receive all that venting. But you're starting to feel like a human garbage bin. So you set a boundary in your compassion the next time you get a call from them by telling them that this dynamic is very draining for you and you recommend they seek a therapist to talk to since that's not your job as their girlfriend or boyfriend and you won't be available for daily hours-long venting sessions anymore. When you stop caretaking abusive people or even when you simply set boundaries with good people who are abusing your compassion, you'll likely feel a lot of shame, guilt, and self-doubt. This is because you're going against everything you've ever been taught to do if you were raised in a narcissistic family or if you spent years in training with an abusive partner as an adult. Remind yourself, it's not your responsibility to rescue someone else unless you're a lifeguard, an EMT, or another kind of first responder. It will take time to train yourself to set boundaries around your compassion so you won't be taken advantage of anymore. If you have a working conscience, you might always feel pangs of sorrow and guilt that you can't help everyone in the streets needing help. I would recommend doing something intentional on a monthly basis that helps others so you can know that you're doing something within the boundaries of what you can do to help someone else. That will also help you to not feel so guilty every time you see someone else struggling because you'll know that even though you can't help everyone, you're doing your part to help those you can. Personally, I love the organization Children International. For about $30 a month, you can sponsor a child. They get three meals a day, and all their siblings also get three meals a day. Your sponsored child will get medical care, schooling, extra tutoring if needed. They'll even get life skills training and job training before graduating high school. I started sponsoring my first child in 2013 when I could barely afford the $30 a month because I was barely surviving in life. Things were pretty bad. I actually signed up because I needed a reason to keep fighting. I needed someone beside myself to fight for. Since I didn't have kids and I hadn't found Venus yet, when I ran into the CI recruiters in Union Square in New York that day, I knew I had to sign up even though I didn't know how I was going to afford it. A couple years ago, as my business started taking off, I added a second sponsored child, and last year I took on a third. One of my girls is in Colombia, another Ecuador, and another in Mexico. I hope to meet them all someday. For now, we write each other letters via the Children International website. The organization intends to use their structure of support to provide kids a path out of poverty, not just with financial and material support, but also by educating them so they can have new options in life. I hope to continue mentoring these girls long after they graduate, something that I hope will help them learn how to elevate themselves out of their current life circumstances and create a better future where they can thrive. When I walk down the street and see a lot of people begging for help, I often offer the change in my pocket if I have some on me, and while I wish everyone had the money and food they needed to survive, I know that I can't provide that for everyone. So I do my part to help those I can. When people stop me in the street to promote other organizations and ask for donations, I let them know that I'm committed to my sponsored kids and doing what I can do. This helps me create healthy boundaries around my compassion while also feeling like I'm making a difference where I can. As my business continues to grow, I plan to take on more sponsored kids with Children International. Maybe you can find something like that, a charity or sponsorship where you can help make a difference in someone's life. And that will also help relieve your feelings of guilt for not being able to help everyone because that's just not humanly possible. 
I hope this episode was helpful for you to manage the boundaries around your compassion better, whether in an abusive relationship that you can't leave entirely or won't leave yet, or whether you're a professional caregiver, or even if you just identify as someone with a big heart who wishes you could save everyone. Like everything valuable, your compassion needs limits too. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Inner Integration Podcast. I hope you learned something today that helps you to see from a new perspective and to start using new tools so you can take action and transform your life after narcissistic abuse. Remember, you are enough, you matter, and you got this. If you liked this episode and want to hear more, subscribe to get automatic updates on new podcast episodes as they're released. Visit us online at innerintegration.com where you get instant access to a free quick start guide to recovery after narcissistic abuse upon entering your name and email. You'll also find there digital courses that have already helped thousands of people move through the self-healing process. Get loads more free inner integration content to help you heal after narcissistic abuse on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Big hug to you.